I I somehow believe that people should keep on making more and more data driven decisions. Uh, where I tried to build an Alexa kind of system, uh, we took the data set of an enterprise which had around uh, 300 paragraphs and around 1 lakh 80,000 words. And on those paragraph and on those words, we trained our system. Then we built a question first. Since we wanted to build bots, we built our own questions. We built somewhere around I think we built somewhere around 1,500 questions and five variations of each of these questions. But the interesting thing is, this Alexa kind of system. They got somebody who is very lower in the rank working in that enterprise to speak to the system, uh, and the system give answer. So the interesting thing is that the elation that these people they get when they ask the question and get the answer is very rewarding. They find it a magic kind of a thing. Hello everyone, Ashok here. Thank you for tuning in to this 25th episode of Indian Startup Stories, a podcast striving to bring out experiences and insights from entrepreneurs across India. Today our guest is Gaurav Srivastava, founder and CEO of Pensive, an ML and AI product company. addressing the needs of document analytics for enterprises of different domains including legal compliance finance and many in this episode gaurav shares his background how the company was formed with a product addressing specific needs and the expansion further on initial bootstrapping and the planned capital raise details of nlp machine learning and ai behind the data analytics information on leveraging accelerators and incubator platforms to grow steady his vision for indian opportunity in data and ai space and much more valuable information for you to take away so without further ado let's jump in hi gaurav thank you for coming on indian startup stories today welcome hi ashok yeah can you please share about uh, your academics and career background so basic uh, indian male uh, path i had i did my engineering electronics and communication 2008 worked for it company for 3 4 years went for my mba and after coming out of my mba i started my what you can say uh, career in entrepreneurship there was a company by the name zimber which was in home service domain we ran it for around 2 and 1/2 years had a good run raised decent amount of money got a quite quicker and then i'm running pensi for last 4 years okay that's nice so you, this is the second uh, company of your own that you are running nice so that's wonderful so please talk about your company pensi what do you do and what are the products you create there so pensi is a text analytics and linguistic company Uh, we are trying to build more and more depth into conversational AIs, and this has been implemented into the domain of legal regulation and compliance. So the idea is pretty simple term is if an enterprise has huge amount of legal data, compliance data, or regulation data, we say that we will build ML engines on top of it to access the information more efficiently. Okay, into the legal complaints. Quite interesting to know. Uh, how did it all begin, Gaurav? Where did the spark moment came? What was the time of ideation? Fair enough. So I tell you the uh, I always wanted to make a data company like data is something which excites me very much I I somehow believe that people should keep on making more and more data driven decisions the interesting part was when I was trying to when I was in Zimber and before Zimber getting acquired we had done the initial work of building the product building the what is the basic structure and everything and anything more on top of it could only be done through data driven uh, data driven decision making process so at Zimber only in two years of lifetime I have realized. that if you have to build scalable products if you have to build deeper products you need to integrate the data element into it and that was something which was the what you can say which was the uh, initial uh, inspiration or motivation to build a company which is completely data driven and that's where the idea of pensive came into picture 
that and i tell you pensive if you know that pensive and I, now then we start thinking okay theek hai uh, we we believe in data driven company and all those things and these sound very cliche uh, statement like everybody would say this but what hmm. we have to do where does the ai pick thing come into picture where is the differentiating factor and ai uh, was uh, so the fact was that uh, me and my co-founder pralad when we were trying to discuss it way back in 2017 so we our idea of ai is using collective intelligence for individual gain so that's mm-hmm. what our idea of ai is like there is a huge amount of collective intelligence that is there on internet because of the data path that people have data path that people have traced and have left their imprints can we use it all to help an individual who is uh, who may be accessing information at today so that was our idea of ai was and that's why we named the company pensive because pensive was in harry potter movie where people can store okay. which can be recreated so that uh-huh. so pensive the name pensive signifies how do we understand artificial intelligence so recreating human memories is artificial intelligence for us so that's where the company started and when the company started we didn't have an idea to do it in legal or compliance or regulation we said that okay theek hai what we both agree upon is this is what our basic understanding of artificial intelligence is now let's try to dig deeper into domains where there is huge amount of data and there is a use case associated with inferring around data and we'll keep on moving from one uh, domain to another domain and that was that was what more of an entrepreneurial goal or that was more of a passionate goal for us we did understand mm-hmm. that there is a business decision also will come into picture from moving from one domain to another domain or from doing uh, what you can say solving one kind of a problem to another kind of a problem but our life dream is that this is what we keep on doing like we keep on building ai engines for different kind of an business use case whether it's an enterprise and consumer and our understanding of ai is that how do you use collective intelligence for individual gain okay nice uh, when you say collective decisions for individual game so is it any specifics like uh, the semantic analysis or the uh, customer segmentation or uh, what specific problems it is addressing fair enough so pensive at the end of the day is handling problem in textualities and linguistic so the capabilities mm. are around name entities extraction name entity extraction um, uh, classification semantic search summarizer chatbot so all those capabilities pensive have but we have these capabilities mm-hmm. because the business problem that we uh, that we took upon had text data so these are the kinds of machine okay. learning techniques that you can apply on text data at the end of the day uh, whether ai is there or not at the end of the day you are also trying to do some kind of same kind of a thing like you are talking to multiple kind of entrepreneurs which is collective intelligence creating a podcast kind of thing and go uh, i'm trying to distribute it to individuals so that they can learn from this collective intelligence and do something of it yeah quite relative nice so the only thing is they are building a tech platform on this information so that people can access it whereas you are not building a tech mm-hmm. platform you are what you can say you are aggregating it uh, through a podcast channel kind of a thing true true that's pretty good start for you and as your business is serving both as you mentioned legal compliance community and also uh, other businesses involved in the contracts uh, how did you get narrowed down to the specifics of the problem statements did you start as a horizontal product as a generic mla product then narrowed down to the specifics or you took a problem statement then figured out the product uh, which way you opted no so we took a problem statement kind of an approach the reason for it is that uh, the reason for it is we realized that there is no point reinventing the wheel so what do we mean by saying reinventing the wheel and there is no point hiding the fact is that the big companies of world like google or a facebook or an ibm they are the open source ecosystem they are already building lots of domain independent 
or data independent horizontal platforms or horizontal algorithms and they are doing a quite a quite a, quite a, what is a brilliant job there was no point we also doing the same thing a the kind of talent that it requires we don't have the kind of capital that it requires we don't have it doesn't make any sense and somewhere down the line our belief was that we want to take our product to the market uh, to the end user so we can take a problem to the we can take our product to the end user only when we are solving a business use case rather than building a horizontal domain independent platform so we 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 were very sorted that a we can't compete in that game b neither we want to do it so we we went a proper use case statement kind of a way where we thought that the algorithms or the ecosystem which we has already been, which is already maturing at a certain rate we can exploit it and take our product to the end user so that's where that's what the strategy was that's nice uh, curious to know about the manual work involved behind any automation products that are coming now i just wanted to compare with the cloud related products for example uh, there is an aws uh, transcribe right where we can uh, feed the mp3 audio file and get the text as an output uh, i was trying with that but with that output almost every alternative line i had to edit and correct the mistakes which is output from other recent product right so in in in, in a way that uh, automation actually creates a lot of manual efforts also behind the scene so what is your experiences with that and any stats to share completely agree so there is a huge amount of data work that is going inside building these kind of ml nlp or an ai product that we call now and to make it very generic uh, to make it very in a very generic way what do i wish to say here is that what you are trying to say you are trying to build intelligence into a system and the intelligence we mm-hmm. all understand is a function of data so the fact is that till the time you don't feed huge amount of data to anybody you can't expect intelligence out of it so in pretty simple term whenever we see as a human beings we are why we are taken into through an academic career or why we are told to exposed to different kind of data because that makes our intelligence even in a natural world there is a huge amount of what you say data uh, data labeling or data annotation or whatever data exposure that has to be done to a human being also to develop intelligence so for example if mm-hmm. you don't know anything about space exploration there is there you won't have any intelligence about space exploration but the moment i start exposing you to space exploration and i is showing you data related to space exploration soon enough you will start developing your intelligence now with how much intelligent you will you will become that becomes a biological question also because and we there is no i, I don't have enough knowledge about it and there is no point going going there but what a point i wish to make is any any system whether it's a human being or a machine if we want it to develop intelligence we will have to expose it to data that's pretty simple now coming back to our use case yes there is a huge amount of data labeling work that goes into system so for example uh, we, we when we made a semantic search over legal judgments we had 1 lakh uh, 1 lakh judgments of indian uh, courts where we uh, mm-hmm. our data to build a system when we had contracts uh, when we had contracts we built a clause, a clause classification engine over contracts and we took over 20 clauses 20 most important clauses like uh, like indemnity exclusivity uh, non compete uh, governing laws all those etc and of each we had around 10000 variations of each of these clauses so what i want to say okay. is the clauses and 10000 variations of each of them which comes somewhere around 2 lakh 20 10000 to 20 how much it will be it will be 2 lakh so we had 2 hmm. lakh variation of clauses where we trained our data so that's what i have worked for an enterprise where i tried to build an uh, where i tried to build an alexa kind of system over an enterprise so we took uh, we took the data side of an uh, data set of an enterprise which had not more than uh, which had around uh, 300 paragraphs and around uh, 180000 words so okay that's, that's huge 
yeah, 300 paragraph and one like 80,000 words. So, and on those uh, paragraph and on those words, we trained our system. Then we built a question for, since we wanted to build bots, we built our own questions. We built somewhere, okay. around, I think we built somewhere around 1500 questions and five variations of each of these questions for these systems. Okay. All these works were done by human beings. Mm, I guess the quite a, a huge amount of uh, work behind the scene for data labeling itself, right? You had to deal with many uh, third parties. And that's where you build a domain intelligence. So without domain intelligence, building an ML system or an LP system is just hopes. Like nobody can do it. True, true. Yeah, makes sense. Coming to the information about incubation platforms, as you are associated with multiple incubators like uh, GeoGenX, Axelor, what are the factors and facilities Pensive is getting uh, from the incubators and which one you have opted for and how is it working? No, no. So incubators has helped a lot. Uh, so to be frank enough, and I've been a part of a consumer company also and an enterprise company also. Consumer company, mm -hmm. you can be a little bit innovative around your marketing marketing plans. Uh, but on an enterprise kind of a company, there is a very well-defined enterprise structure. And I don't see uh, a method. I mean, there can be innovation around any processes. But the fact is, somewhere down the line, I believe enterprise sales uh, needs to follow the processes that have been set up. Uh, when you become part of all these accelerators, they have uh, previous founders who have gone through the hardest journey of doing enterprise sales for 10 years and 20 years. And when they come, when they come into, when they meet the alums of the same accelerator and incubator, and then they tell their experience of those 20 years and the mistakes that they have done. It's like in 15 days, you know what you don't have to do and what you have to do. So to be part of okay. accelerators and incubators is huge. Apart from the network that they open, like they open you to the VC ecosystem, they open you to the talent ecosystem, they open you to the businesses that their previous startups or their previous, uh, what you can say, uh, passed out a startup from that accelerators may have done. So they open all those channels to you. They expose you to all those channels. And the greatest thing is that the founders who have been passed out of those accelerators, they share all those what you can say, mistakes and learnings that they have done in their, what you can say, in their life, in their entrepreneurial life that comes to you on day zero and that's a huge amount of things so for example and like this is a cliche again another cliche to say but entrepreneurs like entrepreneurship is something which is very difficult to talk to be taught the best mm. the best lessons you can learn is learn from people who have already gone through that journey burned their hand learned mm. their things on the way and have to and come back and share that process or the structure that they follow and those coming through these accelerators is worthwhile Okay, nice. Yeah. And how you have selected specific incubators, like there are Y Combinator, Google Accelerators, various launch pads, and also the one which you opted for GeoGenX and Axelor. So did you, uh, brought, uh, did you started horizontally and you narrowed down or uh, you opted specifically for uh, uh, these two accelerators? Fair enough. So there are two things when I was trying to apply for accelerators, there were two things that was in mind. A, what kind of brand that they are, so that uh, what you can say, and they can, uh, I can fit into it, and I can learn from people out there. And is there a business energy into it? So, Exelor and GeoGenex are the biggest brand in this country. So, to be, mm -hmm. be part of that bandwagon is itself an achievement. So, there was no two thinking about it. Apart from it, so most okay. of, so, and the other thing that uh, comes into my mind is like I try to keep on being part of B two B accelerators also and incubators also that may not be there on the what you can say that may not be there on the uh, profile. But then the other mm -hmm. kind of accelerators or incubators or the network that keep on exploring is 
which can have direct impact on the business network that I'm exploring. Uh, okay. For example, they have direct kind of network to the enterprises, and they can help me land 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 into the what you can say rooms of the CEOs of these big enterprises who may be one of the buyer of my product. So that is the more okay. approach with, uh, while trying out uh, to reaching out to accelerators. Whereas Genex and Axelor, they are the biggest brand in this country. Like you don't think about it. Like whether they would definitely they have made business networks uh, also to me. It's not so that I have not got business connects through them. But the fact is that they are the biggest brand. Like you you will find people who have made a billion dollar companies in these accelerators and have been part of it. And you would always want to reach out to these people to understand that or hear that what kind of learnings they had in their journey. Okay, nice. Both the mentorship and also the networking plays a big yeah. role. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Very interesting. Uh, how did you start your sales and marketing for Pensive and how have you evolved in these days? Fair enough. So how did I start? So, uh, to be frank enough, uh, first of all, uh, when we started, when I started out, it's less of a sales kind of a thing, but more of an what you can say, evangelism kind of a thing. So what do I mean by evangelism mm -hmm. is that initially I was just reaching out to lawyers and people from legal background to understand their input about the product. So, so that was a time when I was trying to reach out with them when I was just trying to have the initial interaction with my client, with my customers, to understand that what are their expectations from a product, uh, from a similar kind of a product, they trying to crunch data in a legal or a regulation or a compliance domain. So the sales process started more from evangelism. And then now that it is three, four years now, uh, we are getting into more and more structure kind of a thing where we have sorted capabilities at one side uh, sorted, uh, what you can say, uh, products at one side, and we are trying to combine both of them to sell it to the clients. The sales at this moment of a time goes through less of a subscription kind of a sell and more of a project kind of a sell. But the idea is that how we can move, move more towards licensing and subscription to a project kind of a structure. I hope this is the question that you were asking, or was there something? Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Thank you. Okay, now you have a very good network and tie-ups within the startup community. Yeah. And how was your early days? Uh, what challenges did you face and how did you solve them to prove that uh, you are part of a bigger community and uh, your product actually uh, makes sense to the target audience? So I will give, want to give a huge amount of credit to the to the CEO or the founder in my previous company, Zimbar. And I see this, and this may sound a little bit of Bollywood, but he had this theory that everybody that he meets should connect him to two more people at least so and he was my co-founder nice. so I, I and i'm being very open about it that uh, the tenacity that he has as an individual to create networks uh, maybe i don't have that same kind of tenacity and obviously people have different kind of capability uh, i am much better than him in product solving and problem solving so yeah but the network building kind of a thing he had this and i saw him saw him with the passion that he did, like everybody that he met, he ensured that the person gets him connected to at least two more people. So he has a huge amount of passion. And this is, I'm telling you, and he has his theory also. So I don't want to, uh, what do you can say, uh, classify into any kind of a bucket, but he didn't come from an, uh, what do you can say, the elite, uh, uh, the tech schools of the India or the B school of the India. He comes, mm -hmm. he, so, uh, and I'm not trying to say anybody is less talented or more talented kind of a thing. But his theory was that I don't come from an elite tech school or B school in this country. So I don't have the same kind of a network easily available to me. Okay. So I more, what you can say, I would be more desperate to build this network. I will have more tenacity to keep on doing it. 
and so with the passion that he kept on ensuring that everybody that he met they connected him at least to two more people and it happened it happened in front of my eyes and obviously i okay. being very shame shameless i would say that i i just rode on his hard work so because i was the co-founder of the company so and everybody he used to meet like 80% of the people 100% of the person that he met uh, started knowing me also because i was okay. all the uh, male conversation at least and 80% of the person mm-hmm. that he met i also met in person so i would say okay. that i was blessed in that sense that uh, he have was there because i didn't have the same kind of to be frank enough i didn't i didn't have the same kind of uh, what is a skill or tenacity on the network building side and i have i rode on his, his hard work in the early days and i learned from him also now i have become that kind of mm-hmm. but yeah my advice oh, nice. to anybody who wants to build network uh, anything that you want to do it becomes very obvious that you should have the passion to do it uh, but yes uh, you can have these kind of small rules where you say that okay everybody i meet they should at least connect me to two more person because uh, that's where the whole geometric progression kind of a thing comes into picture and we all know the magic of gp like how can the whole gp thing scale up good yeah you are forming a bigger tree right yeah. a, a huge pyramid yeah. nice yeah. cool right so you are still running these two entities separately like zimber and pensive or you managed but acquired way back in 2007 late 2016 early 2020 okay okay please share about your your core founding team uh, what are the challenges and conflicts you faced and how did you come on a common ground before kick starting with your uh, kick starting your business with your co-founders fair so my first co-founder pralal uh, he was my engineering college roommate in first year so and then he went on to study in iit madras uh, so but we had a personal connect uh, we had a connect uh, over internet all these years he was following me in zimbar also and he and i used to have what you can say a chat with him every 6 month or a year uh, about the things that i am doing and things that he is doing so when i started pensive i had this in my head that uh, ai ml nlp the space which is on the what you can say fulcrum of uh, research and engineering so engineering and execution is something which i am good upon but i was looking for somebody who comes from a research research bent up background to help Uh, keep on ensuring that there is an innovation on the uh, model side or on the algorithm side so since he was doing his phd from new york so i had in my head that okay he's the guy who may be the best fit for me whereas i can take care of engineering or the execution side uh, where i am good at he can take care of the uh, research algorithm or the model side where there is more innovation and where there is more value creation from a company point of view so mm-hmm. that was in my head that's why i reached out to him uh, thankfully enough in his psg also he was uh, looking into data science like he was not doing it for text analytics and linguistic but he was into ml nlp for the domain where he was doing his uh, psg when the secretary was doing psg and he wanted to explore this area and he said that okay this sounds very interesting let's try to do it uh, this this is a good fit for both of us like uh, theoretically speaking the expectation that you have from me Uh, sounds very uh, aligned to my uh, aspiration whereas the things that you are trying to say that you will deliver is something which i don't have neither i want to acquire so uh, even today he doesn't want to get into business he is not bothered about money too much which is a sad thing also but anyway okay. uh, he doesn't want to get into business he doesn't want to get into execution uh, but he he is a one of those persons who takes care of the new developments of the algorithm side the new research that's happening so yeah that's all so the point that i wish to make here is um if you are looking for a co-founding team 
a complementary skill set is something which could be one of the criterias b uh, if everybody is associated is passionate about the business the way you are then that can also be criteria yeah i guess you figure out a way to uh, distinguish the roles and responsibilities right you take care of the business and he takes care of the algorithm and building yeah nice can you please talk about um, uh, your first moment of relief in pensive was it uh, for any customer deal or was it an mvp so that's an interesting question if that's if you are asking from an entrepreneur point of view i somehow believe that as an entrepreneur you will never be relieved uh, because in the journey uh, like it's a long journey like most of the entrepreneurs they have uh, high aspirations and that's why they become an entrepreneur and in the initial years it's just those small goals that you have kept on achieving so to be truthful enough i have not feel relieved but yeah uh, i can't reach to i do understand in my head that if i have my goal to reach to minus 100 there is no way going from 0 to 100 i will go i will reach 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 and 9 10 and i need to be happy about reaching 1 2 3 4 and humble and respectful about reaching 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 also so hmm. obviously that that's something which uh, what you can say that's something which becomes important in the entrepreneurial journey uh, because uh, you you have big dreams that's why you do entrepreneurship uh, so i won't use the term relieved but yeah what are what were the key moments to be frank enough obviously uh, getting pralad on board like getting uh, green pralad agreeing to be part of the company was obviously one of those moments where you felt happy okay this it's not you only who is thinking that this is something which can be Uh, which can be converted into a company and create value but there is another guy also whether it's foolish is something that you go and get to know 3 4 year down the line but obviously when you get a co-founder on board you feel happy about uh, what you can say getting things done so that was the first relief moment second relief moment was when and obviously it can be and those relief moment can be a trap also because at the end of the day you need to complete the structure um, complete the process so second relief moment was initially when we were going out to when we were reaching out to the lawyers and trying to show our product and when they were getting positive feedback obviously there was a relief moment uh, third was when there was a uh, when there was one small project from one of the client and i do remember it was a small money not a very big amount of money 3 lakh 50000 rupees and which came in which came in three phases 1.25 1.25 and one lakh so i believe in 2018 march april a 1.25 l check came and that was okay. obviously one of those relief moments Uh, like you felt happy that okay you spent all these times all these times to build something and people is paying money to you that that like that completes the process in a certain extent uh, raising funds mm-hmm. was a relief moment but yeah friends and family were able to invest money into the company so that was one of the relief moment uh, then in 2018 we have done uh, 2020 we have done a, like we did a clocking revenue of somewhere around 2 to 2.5 crore this year this financial year mm-hmm. and we have delivered delivered very big projects for enterprises in this year so this year has been multiple reliefs but yeah those reliefs they were not very big but they like those were the initial reliefs but you become happy about it this is a very big relief where you are getting projects also where you are getting money also but it is more structured mm-hmm. so you don't feel you don't feel that moment you go through the process mm-hmm. you you see it this happens gradually so yeah these are these are more of an uh, satisfaction moments which has have kept on happening day on a day by day basis but yeah these were the relief moments uh, apart from it uh, the the other relief moment obviously one of the from from my perspective uh, the fact is that you decide that okay this is what you want to do and you go out on the market mm-hmm. and when people give you positive response uh, in terms of 
buying the product in terms of paying money i definitely feel relieved about it i feel happy about it i feel that okay there was a plan in my head which is seeing the light of the day and being accepted and being rewarded with rewarded or being paid with monetary benefits it just completes the whole uh, process so that makes sense okay nice yeah can you talk about uh, how did you manage funding in the initial days you mentioned that you bootstrap bootstrapped uh, any investors experience as well or uh, how was those initial days of management there so initially i had some amount of money which i invested in the company then we were able to raise friends and family around also pretty soon in the company in one year of our existence so a friend and family round and a friend and family round they were like they have seen the kind of audience what that we have done in the past okay so how would i say is that fact is that after four years of existence there is something that i have learned is that one should never take easy money hmm. that's that's a mistake that's an entrepreneurial trap that you can get into uh, friends and family hmm. you would be if you would be a decent kind of a person and a hard working kind of a person with a genuine intent there is a very high probability that you will be able to, able to raise a friends and family around uh, but uh, how you ensure that even if and a friends and family round is an easy money round because if somebody in a friends and family is willing to pay money to you they won't be doing huge amount of due diligence uh, but the fact is that in your head you need to understand that um, the moment you have easy money how do you make it more and more difficult for yourself uh, because the fact is that a you if you take money from somebody else and you don't return it back then the chances of you getting money again is very difficult uh actually you won't get it from those people and you won't also feel confident in yourself to get it from somebody else b you are investing your time into it and if you are taking money from somebody and not returning back your time has gone and your credibility is also gone so the point here is that uh, uh, uh without a very concrete path and visibility to make money out of money one should never raise money. Hmm. and never is an exaggeration yeah. one should not try to raise money so my point here is that till that time there is a there is a very definite visibility that it will convert into uh, business you should not try to raise capital uh, and that's what i have consistently learned because as an entrepreneur most of us are very confident that we will make business out of it but that doesn't happens in real life so if i would say what has been my consistent learning is that how do i ensure that there are more and more validations and those validations goes beyond my gut or instinct level to have real real chances that once the capital is invested into this idea it will it will convert into a good business kind of thing okay nice so so far have you raised any capital outside of uh, bootstrapping yeah in pensive i have raised somewhere around 1 cr so around 120k yeah okay okay and how was that journey and experience uh, when you approached the investors so as i already said this was a friends and family round so mm. uh, i would say that uh, here the journey was easier because i had a previous uh, i had a previous experience of raising capital in a startup and uh, i i knew that what kind of metrics or what kind of objectives or what kind of a goal that i need to yeah. and that i know to show it to people so that they are interested in investing money into the company uh but if i if i say from a zimmer experience kind of thing so the bottom line is this is something for somebody who wants to raise raise money from an investor or a vc uh the most important criteria would be 
apart from everything else the most rational uh, the most voting is a rational or the obvious criteria for raising funds will be that what kind of market opportunity you are trying to go upon because if i am an investor or if i am an investor the multiple of returns of my money i am not trying to say from a greed point of view but i am trying to say from a logical point of view so if i want to invest for example if i want to invest into something which has huge potential to return and i'm not trying hmm. to say that everybody is greedy and here just for money but if i want to invest i will invest where there is a huge potential to invest and there is a huge and a huge potential to ret- uh, to return are only in bigger market opportunities so if you are trying okay. to raise money one thing that you need to do one thing that you need to do for sure is try to go for a bigger market so i got a framework also and i keep on telling it to people that uh, okay uh, so what i say is two by two big market small market uh, difficult problem easy problem so best case to raise money from investor and vc will be easy problem to solve but big market okay okay nice any any interesting incidents you remember from uh, vcs where uh, you had to convince a lot or any tricky questions you had to handle something any in your mind question that i had to handle uh, um no i won't say that there was a tricky question that i had to handle because at the end of the day most of the vcs are very logical uh, when say logical is that they would want to know about the uh, market opportunity they would want to know so what are the things that they would want to know they would want to know about the market opportunity everybody would want to know and you should have some kind of an either from a primary research or a secondary research you need to have data around it they would want to know your go to market strategies like okay fair enough it's a billion dollar industry we do understand but how do you, mm-hmm. how are going to go ahead it and what kind of capability you have executed so that would be something interesting that they would definitely would want to know um apart so you would go with all uh, capex and uh, opex data yeah. uh, properly gathered okay apart from it what will the interesting the interesting thing would be okay theek hai so since we are talking about all those things i would tell that during zimba days when we were trying to pitch it to a vc and zimba was building electrician plumbers carpenters at home so one of the vc hmm. asked me that how many electricians are there in bombay and uh, <laughs> and we didn't have an answer for the same and he he uh, you have it now i mean that's a very tricky question yeah, yeah, and, simple question but yeah yeah and the, and maybe he didn't want to invest into the company but from there the whole what you can say meeting kept on going down downhill only but the fact was okay that was like i don't know whether we should have done some kind of triangulation and given him an answer but yeah that was that's one of the what you could say and he, he just asked randomly that how many electricians are there in the uh, in there in bombay and he was like if you don't know how do you make this company and i was like that 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 sounds logical we don't need to know how many electricians are in bombay so hmm. that was an interesting thing uh, apart from it yeah obviously there was another interesting incident where there was somebody who runs a very big facility management company in this country a very big he has been entrepreneur of mm-hmm. the year for at least two year or three year i don't know uh, he was okay. there to acquire our company he was like straight forward and the interesting thing was that it whole started by he, he pitching us to acquire our company but somewhere down the line and i won't take the credit for that my co-founder anvil he just turned it 180 degree and after a one year conversation we were about to acquire his company <laughs> like that's how it oh. like we were building a premium company so he was trying to build a facility when he was trying to build he had he has a facility management company and he was trying to build a company into uh what do you can say home services a consumer domain company mm-hmm. so what we then how it all turned around was he you know, started proposing that how come we build a premium home service company and your company becomes more of a massy company 
and we be on top mm-hmm. so that was an interesting conversation that we had okay. um, but the thing is that yes uh, interesting conversation are something which will happen which will happen but uh, it most of the times it's data which like uh, obviously you would have to, you need to be smart you need to be witty and all those things uh, which are more of an uh, 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 social thing which is more of an individual thing but all those things at least what i would want to say is work only if you are good at your data so if somebody is trying to think that okay i will be smart and i will be witty and i will walk my way through maybe i don't know maybe he maybe he will maybe he not but i will be sure that 99% of the cases people who go there back with data only succeed so okay. better to okay. get your data ready rather than trying to be uh, smart okay yeah that makes sense thank you and uh, can you uh, sh- on the same line uh, can you share some of your customer success stories which you feel proud of uh, for being part of their journey because of your product in the current product only we have made an alexa kind of a system so so the fact is that uh, and we are in touch with somebody who is handling the technical operations uh, of uh, ai ml kind of a sol- deployment of ai ml kind of sub- uh, solution to the enterprise but the interesting thing is this alexa kind of system they got somebody who is very lower in the rank working in that enterprise to speak to the system uh, and the system give answers so the interesting thing is that the elation that these people they get when they ask the question and get the answer is very rewarding you understand like they find it a magic kind of a thing uh, okay okay uh, so they find it a magic kind of a thing ki hum bolenge aur answer aa jayega so when in front of you you see these people asking question in the system and the, the confidence or the magic that they, that you see in their eyes when the system gives answer is rewarding okay okay nice um co- being a ai ml company predominantly your products also uh, where do you see your major time go spending uh, was it is it in the operation or kind of a, a data processing area or where do you spend most of your time Fair when it comes to your product uh, when uh, as a team when i say uh, uh, most of the time is invested on the data engineering side so what do i mean to say is data engineering side is uh, on the model algorithm side as i already said there are open source ecosystem uh, there mm-hmm. uh, there is a work associated around it because you keep on doing experiments to understand that what algorithm or what model fit into your uh, fit into your data but uh, that's not time taking like once you know the structure once you know the process and the kind of gpus that are available because of the clouds uh, like aws and gc gcp it's not time taking it's it's it, it requires a certain amount of iq it requires a certain amount of uh, uh, what do you can say a uh, certain amount of research uh, research knowledge to know but once you have it it's not time taking but the data engineering work where you need to dump down the data understand how do you break it into how do you break it to for your models to consume how do you build domain expertise how do you do data labeling how do you how do you make certain qualifiers to understand the data is a huge amount of work uh, in building these mm-hmm. uh, building these kinds of products so that's where the time spent b obviously the other part of time spent is since it's more of a platform kind of a capability kind of a thing and the product is a function of being data exposed to so when you go into your sales structure how do you make realize your enterprise that the capability that you have may have been figured out on a different kind of a data set but will be able to give a quite satisfactory result in your data also so 
as I said. So from a product kind of a view, the data engineering part is where the huge amount of time invested. Whereas on the sales kind of a view, how do you make your client understand that how do you create a sales structure kind of a thing where you say that this will start working on your data also is a time-taking job. Okay, yeah. And it differs, right? When you test it and uh, when you train it and yeah. when you actually test it in the field, yeah. it's different. Okay. So yeah, from an enterprise point of view, A, they need to take all those, uh, what you can say, all those approvals to share data with a very small startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somebody in the enterprise should be willing to take that risk for you. Okay, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So uh, as your company is playing the role of digitization uh, with AI products, uh, which is much required for any clients to scale their business, right? Uh, what is your plans in scaling your business? Any ideas or uh, a thought process in pipeline? As I already said, we want to be the data intelligence company. So uh, we are right now in legal space. We want legal space, compliance space and financial space because finance is an industry is on the again, on the fulcrum of legal regulation, compliance. Mm-hmm. So all these becomes one of the subsets of financial industry. So these are the industries where we would want to deploy a technology solution and be the company uh, providing technology solutions for all these companies. In pretty simple term, what do we want to do is these are the industry that we take and which we are taking right now is legal regulation, compliance and finance. We become the solution provider or we become the change element to ensure that people are able to access data more efficiently and smoothly across these industries and make decisions which are more data. Mm-hmm. Nice. What's your vision on AI and IoT startups in India uh, down the line five years? And what impacts do you foresee that a startup uh, will play in the overall ecosystem? Uh, the fact is that the AI that we are trying to see at this point of time is uh, data intelligence. And mm-hmm. uh, and the fact is that uh, it's not so that data was not being created earlier, but yeah, with the advent of computers, uh, the rate at which data is being created is obviously um, higher at multiple times, and the data is being the data is being recorded also efficiently, which mm-hmm. can be retrieved at an uh, at at ease and can be shared also. So all these things will definitely keep on helping in building AI products much, much faster. So hmm. there will be a huge amount of growth in AI products, whether it's healthcare or uh, whether it's healthcare or finance or regulation compliance, legal or logistics or whatever. So in all across all domain, whether we say it an AI or whether we say it data index, whatever you want to say, but there would be an advent of these kind of products and they will become more and more a, what you can say, ingrained into the ecosystem hmm. because they will keep on getting more and more data. And True. people figure out to build more and more inferences on top of it. IoT also, IoT also at the end of the day is marriage of data and hardware systems. True. So, and there is an internet is becoming cheaper and easier available as we grow across. So, obviously, IoT would also be a huge impact. Uh, I see that. Uh, uh, so, the fact is that um, uh, IoT has got a huge amount of application on the on the consumer side also. Uh, where there is a huge amount of company which are doing good work, and there is an application on the on the on the price side also uh, in the big companies. So I would see that the big and uh, automation and robotics were always part of on the price, like assembly mm-hmm. line and everything. They're always happening. So I see that IoT will definitely IoT I see will move much much faster in, uh, in on the price. Even mm-hmm. AI will move much much faster in on the price because uh, on a personal life. We were on a personal life and we'll keep on doing in personal life. 
we can't keep on making just data driven decisions we will have to make we will have to uh, what do you can say inculcate some amount of emotions also into it so so that would be uh, always a criteria but on the enterprise side and ai uh, whether it's ai or an iot it's just uh, just and uh, what do you can say just an upgradation mm-hmm. and it will happen at a much faster pace because every year the multiple of data that is being produced being recorded being retrieved and being and being available for people to build systems on top of it are much much higher so that would something which will keep on happening at a much faster rate wonderful and uh, moving on to the next segment of this episode rapid fire questions uh, listed few bring bring it down um what's your favorite sports or game you play like right now i play badminton so i like playing badminton okay okay uh, what does creativity mean to you in one sentence what does creativity means to me at one sentence uh so the obviously it's just like uh, building something on top of data okay okay being a data driven company <laughs> nice uh, what's the best thing that happened to you this month i will deliver a project to one of the client nice uh, which book or an article you read recently and you liked it which book or an article i read recently and i like so i'm reading this book what is the name of the book range why generalists triumph in a specialized world okay okay nice that's talking about how do people what is the difference between uh, tactics and strategy mm-hmm. uh, how do people who are more of a generalist have what capabilities to do multiple things and have got a mental intellect to handle situations so all those things are there as is the book that i'm reading right now and i'm liking it okay nice uh, what's your favorite and a tough subject in school for you well, my favorite subject has been maths all my life okay so, all my life maths has been very favorite subject the tough subject in my school was i failed in sanskrit so sanskrit okay okay what time do you sleep and wake up in the morning and uh, how does your first few hours of morning look like fair enough. so i sleep around 12 12:30 i wake up around 6:30 7 every day Uh, i make tea for myself i will walk a little bit and spend my first two hours on laptop just what you can say trying to understand that how my day and how my week is and is everything going by the things that i have planned okay nice you might be mentoring many people from your experience and uh, in the same way uh, you should also have many mentors who are mentoring you how do you make sure that your mentors are available to you when you need them so one of the thing is that uh, something that i think i have developed also with the with the passage of time is clarity in communication so mm-hmm. if you be very clear about what do you want from people uh i see that more often than not there is a positive response coming out from it so mm-hmm. whenever i i find that when do i find to get positive response from people is when i am not sorted what i am looking out for mm-hmm. so one of the thing that it, it takes little time to develop but yeah if you would have clarity of communication this is what you are looking for uh, more often than not you will have your mentors or mentee or your employee or your co-founder being responding to you in a positive way okay wonderful and uh, for people who don't know about you and your company where should they look for for me i would be available in linkedin gaurav shrivastava you can always search and for my company my website is www.pensipratko.com Okay, wonderful. I thoroughly enjoyed this last one hour uh, talking to you and getting all the insights from you, Gaurav. Uh, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ashok. It was nice chatting with you. 
Okay, we are at the end of episode number 25. Thank you very much Gaurav for coming on and sharing your experiences and to our listeners, you can find out the episode summary in the description. Until we catch up soon with more exciting stories, stay tuned, be motivated. Thank you.